0: We are in the fighting circle, damn it! If there was ever a fighting circle, it's right here on the libertarians' in living rooms drinking liquor.
1: Welcome to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Blair.
0: Happy New Year, everybody! welcome to episode number 67 of the Lions of Liberty podcast and we're, <laughs> we're gonna start the year the same way we ended it and that's with another edition of our most jovial of features the libertarians in living rooms drinking liquor let me be your whiskey shop,
1: weekly, evening,
0: and I've got a few regulars at the bar here today we're gonna start off with the man sitting here. To my left, in the Lions of Liberty Studios, Brian McWilliams. Welcome back once again. And what are you drinking? Well,
2: thank you. It's always good to be here sitting next to you, feeling the warmth of your holiday cheer. Uh, I'm drinking a New Belgium Fat Tire Amber Ale. I thought I had some holiday ales left over, but unfortunately, it's just the regulars and uh, anybody who listened to our previous podcast knows that I had way too much bourbon in the last line. You?
0: <laughs> Less libertarians in the living rooms drinking liquor. So I'm pulling it back a little bit and it's going to stick to beer today. How do we really define too much? I mean, well, it sounds like, it sounds like something a statist would say. I went home and had sex with my you girlfriend. I want, That's you want how much the government drank. to, to rec- regulate how much you can drink. Uh, maybe they should, actually, based on, based on your performance last week. Let's move on all the way across the country. To my good friend, John Odermat, Odie, what's going on in Pittsburgh, I should mention?
3: Everything's going on, Mark. It everything's is, uh, going on. Back.
0: And what are you drinking there while everything's going on, while you're headbutting your <laughs> microphone? <laughs> what is happening there? Is,
2: is Godzilla invading?
3: It's, it's possible. I don't know.
2: I, I got some
3: uh, some Shiner Bock today, beer, and uh, a little Buffalo Trace Kentucky bourbon. So nice. sticking on the on the bourbon train.
0: All right, and then we're gonna to head to the other side of that, uh, tre- the other side of Pennsylvania, with no description. JB Lubin, in Philly, what's going on, man? What's up, everyone? And what are you uh, chugga-lugging over there today on this fine New Year's?
4: We got a nice wee glass of Lafroy Ten that I've been hot. sipping on just recently here. Nice settled me in to the show tonight. Tasty, tasty, good uh, smoky
0: selection. I myself am sipping on a nice Glenfiddich. Malt whiskey, yummy yummy. So right. nice. we got a nice, we got a nice eclectic mix of drinks, uh, an eclectic mix of uh, fellows that call themselves libertarian-ish. I don't know. How do you guys feel about the libertarian label? Why don't we start off talking about that? I have no script here, so you know we just roll with this thing. What What do you guys feel about this libertarian label? I mean. Sometimes I mean, it's the li- it's the label I use and still use to this day. But it comes with so many things attached to it. I mean, I, I don't. I mean, I know. Let's start with JB because I know you don't necessarily even call yourself that. I don't know if you call yourself or if you use that term when you have political discussions in real life. Even I mean, what do you think about the term? Because I think you probably have the most disagreements um, with a lot of the I guess the standard libertarian uh, tropes, wouldn't you say?
4: Yeah, probably out of this bunch, I would say that I do. Um, I guess politically nowadays, I'd li- label myself independent as wishy-washy as that may be. But, you know, I do share a lot of the same um, political ideology with libertarians, especially as I feel a lot of sectors of life are entirely too regulated and we could pull, pull back a little bit on that. But I, I pretty much stop at full dismantling of, you know, federal or state governments or anything of that nature. I'm not quite yet convinced that those structures aren't necessary, an evil necessity in some way. But that's what I, what I would say. I would say I've been independent politically. I don't really subscribe to the Democratic or Republican Party anymore. JB, the, the
0: anarchists out there are just frothing at the mouth right now. They're throwing tomatoes at you. Christopher Cantwell is, is busily typing away at, on his, on his <laughs> blog about how you are a status and you are you are the worst and all of that good stuff. I'm just imagining
2: um, people throwing tomatoes at JB listening to a podcast and just, just smashing
4: tomatoes on either side of their – yeah.
0: they're, they're just hitting their own screens though <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's not like really effective. mashing it into their earbuds. <laughs>
4: As status is used pejoratively, I would say I still believe in a state. I still think there's a place in society for the state, quote unquote. So, yes, I am a status.
2: Are we all kind of in agreement on that? I, I, mean, I think I, I know Mark. You, you know, we on the various forums we talk about or, or uh, post content on. You know, people always talk around the firm or the uh, phrase status. But I mean, I think it, we're kind of all status in that way. I don't think any of us is truly. Uh, of the opinion that you'd abolish everything
0: completely. Well, here's the thing. I'm with anarchists in principle, In many anarchists that are principled people that are against the force. They're against forcing people into certain systems, and our entire systems are based on that force right now, the way they're structured. So I'm against the specific violations of individual rights and that kind of thing. But I, I think where anarchists go wrong is that they are just sort of against structures. They're against, like, not, and this doesn't speak for every anarchist, uh, just some anarchists. I mean, there are other anarchists that will make that distinction between government and say government's okay, it's the coercive government or the tyr- tyrannical government that's bad. And that's where I would be in agreement. It's not that we can't have structures. It's that, I mean, the current structures we have today are all based on fiat land grabs. They're not based on private property. They're not based on voluntary association and that kind of thing. But I don't think that there's any reason people can't have similar type structures. There's no people reason people can't have local governments that can join with other local governments that have something that... Acts like a state government that can't contract out with other agencies or other levels of government to have a sort of federal government. There's nothing wrong with those structures in concept, in theory, or in anything. What's wrong with them is our current practice of them, which ignores individual rights, uh, routinely violates individual rights, and that kind of thing. So. I'm not a statist, because to me, a statist is someone who believes in the state as a um, a god, as something with supernatural powers, as something that has rights above and beyond those of the individual. So I'm not a statist in that sense, but I'm not an anarchist in the sense that people, in theory, can't form structures, can't form systems, and I don't think the biggest problem with going on today is the... The formation of things. I mean, I don't think it's having a state and federal structure is not necessarily a terrible thing. It's really just the the problem of, of how people view rights within that system, and when people don't have a good conception of individual rights, well, the system's probably going to start violating people's rights, and that's the situation we're in now. So, um, it depends on how you define it, I guess, but I'm, I'm definitely against the force. I'm 100% voluntar- voluntarist. That's a hard word to say, um, if, if you read it how it's spelled. It's kind of weird. But, um, I'm not, an ant- I'm not against the concept concept of people forming states i'm against just states violating rights pretty simple Odie, speak up say something drink drink more
3: i think it's like it's hard to it's hard for me to imagine at least um at least in our lifetime a society or a uh a state or a government or a collective group of leaders that does not somehow violate individual rights i mean you know you were talking about you know different groups you know maybe um maybe communities forming a a, uh, cons- a govern a governing group that they consent to, and then you know contracting with other communities, and then maybe forming a city-state or, um, or or something like that. But it's just hard for me to imagine all of that happening, and then uh, at some point in time, somebody's going to object and say, "You know, I disagree with that," but the other ninety <clears> percent <throat> will agree. So, what happens at that point? It's hard for me to, to flush it out of my mind how that would work. Does that person just then? Just leave the uh, the group that they agree with 90% of, but not the 10%.
4: Um,
3: maybe I'm just rambling now, but... Um, no,
4: Autumn, I bring up a good point. I don't think 100% consensus on everything is, is legitimate. I think that's a fantasy. You're going to always have some type of dissent, no matter how small, and it's just going to have to be dealt with. There's never going to you know i think that might be crush them
2: is what he's saying <laughs> yeah so I think not- that's- well, we've all come <laughs> full <laughs> circle on the podcast today and now we're <laughs>
4: tyrants <laughs> well no i'm not saying that that you for you bend them to your will in any sort of way but if you if you decide by contract or whatever to join a community i think it should be on the stipulation that sometimes they're going to go about some ways that you don't entirely agree with but if most of people agree with in the community you willingly decide to join you have to kind of go along with it well, here, or there here, would be no way to do anything together.
0: Yeah, exactly. A, I mean, it's it's it doesn't like saying we need to have voluntary agreement and, and voluntarism doesn't mean we all need to agree on every single thing. It just means that the structures and the nature of these organizations should be voluntary. So if you join a city, state, or you know, we're getting into some theory and stuff like that, but if you're a part of a community and you contract with that community in some way, it doesn't mean you. I don't even think most reasonable people would think that they're going to agree with everyone in the community. The problem is that the contract should have certain things stipulated. Are we allowed to just vote rights away? Well, uh, that's not a community I want to join, and I don't think a lot of people would. But are we allowed to just decide certain matters, X, Y, and Z, that we agreed upon ahead of time that we can all you know discuss and vote on? Well, Sure. But um, you know, really, it's not about like calling this a state or calling that a state. It's about the the nature of the organization. So, is is the nature of the relationship voluntary in the sense of like, say, a marriage? Oda, you're married, but we've all been in relationships with women, and you or live with them, and that kind of thing. And it's just an example, but you. You, when you get in a relationship with somebody, you don't, you're not gonna agree on every little thing with them. So you're going to make sacrifices at some point or compromises. One of you want to see one movie, one of you wants to see the other, and you come to an agreement. And that's kind of the way I would see communities forming as well. You don't need to agree on every little thing. You have a cost benefit. It's, you know, maybe I'm not gonna agree with my community on that 10%, but I see the benefits to being in it, and that's why I'm gonna be in it. And maybe I'll deal with some things I don't like. What's the, the problem occurs is when someone says, I really don't, want to be in this community uh i don't want i never signed a contract i don't i never ever wanted to be involved in it but the community comes after you and still says we, we're we going to take your stuff we're going to tell you how things are going to be we're going to violate your rights we're going to raid your house and see if you have marijuana in it and that sort of thing and that's basically what we have today o- only on on a grander scale
3: i'm definitely in agreement um it makes yeah, a lot of sense i i, I think the the maybe a, a, a correlation there um, to another contract that we live under now, supposedly the Constitution. And I think the problem um, that we run into now is our current leaders and just the, the way our government is set up. And maybe from the start, it, it probably wasn't intended to to be set up this way or to be governed this way. But there's just so many ways around just, just interpreting the contract that we're supposed to live under. And the lawmakers have basically Thrown that out the window, and I think that that'll be a big thing going forward. Is it's even hard to hard to imagine, but being able to enforce contracts between these different organizations. I mean, right now we supposedly have one contract we live under. Maybe we haven't agreed to it. You know, I, I never signed a you know sign anything saying I agreed to everything in the Constitution in the first place, but.
0: Well, no. You you have different things called contracts. I mean, some people have that esoteric social contract thing where they think, well, we all owe e- owe each other in society X amount of things and. By virtue of being born, we have a social contract, and that's ridiculous. But uh, I mean, and even in the Constitution, it's like, well, all right. I mean, that's not like a real contract. It's it's a contract some people made a few hundred years ago that I think has a lot of good things in it and states a lot of good things about what rights should be. But it's not a perfect thing. It's not a contract in the sense that I mean, none of us agreed to to anything in there, and I mean, it's not it's not in the same sense as like a community contract would be, based on actual private property. And and
3: it, it, it was it was. Uh, not to cut you off, but it, no, I guess I just. I, n- did, I need to be cut off <laughs> here but and it, at the bar. It, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but at least my understanding: the Constitution was a contract between the states, right? Sure, the between states the states agreed to this contract, not the necessary, not the individuals in the states. Well, but right, and that's the, states, the difference. I, I think that's and that that's where it's flawed: is that it's it's not hasn't been used in that way at all.
0: Yeah, it's a contract between who, whatever, like, few aristocrats happened to be the heads of those states at the time made with each, each other in regards to how the states would form the federal government, as opposed to prior to that, we just had the Articles of Confederation, which was a much kind of looser system where we had – everyone had the states and they all sort of did their own thing and were, were much more independent. Um, you know, neither of those situations necessarily, you know, reflect individual rights of the people living within those territories. I mean, even, even back then, it wasn't not a system based on private property i mean even the first col- colonies were based on the king points at this track of land and says you guys get to run this track of land you're the governor of this you're the governor of that and things kind of grew from there so it's it's all th- i think that's one of the reasons that things are so convoluted is because we try to imagine a private property society and we try to imagine how things should be but the way things have been are so reverse of that it's 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 kind of hard to really you know wrap your head around
3: yeah, just one one more quick thing on the Constitution, and a little teaser on your upcoming guest. Uh, Tom dun, dun, Woods dun. wrote a book, "The uh, Politically Incorrect Guide to U.S. History," and he talks about in that book uh, the original draft for the preamble to the Constitution actually started out "We the States," not "We the People," and I guess they decided that you know didn't really sound like it was including everybody.
0: Um, no, it doesn't.
3: It's <laughs> interesting little fact there.
0: We the People is so much catchier. And, Odie, you did spoil my surprise. I was going to try to maybe announce it uh, after the break, but I guess we'll just do it now. I want to announce right now that my first guest of the new year is going to be, as Odie mentioned, Tom Woods. And not only that, he's not just the first guest of the new year. He's the first guest that it's going to. Uh, I'm going to interview on a Tuesday because next year this show is going from a weekly show to a two-day-per-week show. So you can get the Lions of Liberty podcast Every single Tuesday and Thursday, starting with Tom Woods this coming Tuesday. So this is exciting stuff. The New Year's already already looking up. What do you guys think? Are you excited about Tom Woods? Brian's just dying over here. I'm, he I'm he's bad, first just, in out of his jeans. jeans.
2: <laughs> no, of course. Tom Woods is a fantastic guest. Congratulations on getting uh, getting him, by the way. Uh, great guy. Yeah, 2000, you know, 2015 is going to be an exciting year, I think. You know, I, I was just reading Odie's uh, article about... Um. Yeah. You know, was 2014 a year to celebrate or <laughs> a year not to celebrate? You know, and, and and Shane Wilson's response in there. Um. Basically, 2014 had some some pretty interesting gains. I think uh, 2015 is going to be moving things personally in the right direction. Although I am excited for 2016 when, of course, the police have their cameras mounted to them, as has as Obama has now made it one of his mandates. So.
0: Uh, I, ah, so you like presidential mandates uh, now? <laughs> well
2: it, it, I can't say it was his mandate. It, it was in his uh it was in his what a what was it, budget agreement. You know, it was in the built-in new budget. This budget.
0: is gonna be the all sadist podcast. We're all just coming out about right, how, yeah, how it, we love it, everything it, the all state of our does.
2: Feelings. But you know, look at this way. I think things are getting better also in the way that Rand Paul, at least, even though people are just now you know saying, Oh, I I might run, oh I'm being coy about it, like Jebster. But you know, Rand Paul's in the conversation for a potential presidential candidate, and it's been a real legitimate candidate. He's polling well, and uh, I mean, hell, it's that's a pretty exciting thing to uh, to look at. when You move forward.
0: I think, regardless of our opinions on Rand Paul, and we've we've beaten him into the ground on this show, so we won't go over it too much right now. We'll save it maybe more for political season. I mean, it's definitely exciting because I think either way, he's going to bring issues out there in a similar way that Ron Paul did, maybe not in the same style but bring issues out there that you know, are, are topics we want to talk about. Just just questioning foreign policy at all. Um, questioning the war on drugs. He went on the Bill Maher show. I mean, for as much flack as I give Rand Paul, I mean, what other presidential candidate is going to go on the Bill Maher show, or any show for that matter, and declare, we need to end the war on drugs. I mean, that is just not something, and it's becoming more popular to talk against the war on drugs, and I think Ron Paul laid a lot of that groundwork. But, I mean, the fact that he's a presidential candidate saying that phrase, I mean, it's going to be hard for me not to get excited, at least when he's saying stuff like that. I might still, I'm not might, I definitely will still criticize him when he says stuff I don't agree with, but, I mean, when you look at the field... I mean, is there anybody else that that's even remotely interesting? I mean, uh,
2: no, true. Because I mean, I don't, I don't think Hillary's going to take that on, uh, and you know, Jeb Bush isn't going to jump on the war on drugs train. So I mean, I don't, I, God, Chris Christie's not going to do it. Who I don't, who else is in the field? By the way,
3: is there another candidate on either side that would that would take on the war on drugs I, other than Rand Paul? I, I don't think so. That, I, I yeah. mean,
0: I could see some people doing uh, you know, uh, we think the states just decide on medical marijuana kind of half ass position, but. I mean, I don't know that much about um, the other guys. JB, is there any? I, we, I think you're the one guy that hasn't really been on one of our Rand Paul shows. So, what do you think about? I guess Rand, and is there anybody else out there? I mean, do you follow a Democrat politics at all? Do you, I mean, are you a fan of Elizabeth Warren? I think I've heard, seen you post some stuff about her. I might have just made that up and imagined it too. So, what do you think about the these kind of names cropping up?
4: Well, I, I like Elizabeth Warren to an extent. You know, she seems. She seems fairly principled. She, she's not afraid to take unpopular stances, which I also, I always like in my politicians. And I think she, she, she targets, um, I think what I like to call predatory practices in our finance district, um, financial sectors in our society. And I think that's really her claim to fame. And I really like that in a politician who is willing to tackle these people with lots of money and lots of influence. And so, yeah, I would say, yeah, I'm a fan. You know, to a certain extent, whether I think she's presidential material or not, that remains to be seen. But I think she 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 has been whispered around as being a potential Democratic uh, hopeful, I guess you would say. I mean,
0: with all these politicians, there's there's truth in everyone. And there is truth in a lot of what Elizabeth Warren says. I mean, she talks against crony capitalism. She talks against the banks manipulating things and that sort of thing. But then she, kind of the other side of her she doesn't she still supports the export import bank which is pretty much like the ultimate crony capitalist institution. Stuff like that makes me question whether she is just kind of a populist politician in the sense of saying stuff that sounds good and whether her actual policies that she supports actually reflect that. And I have the similar concerns about Rand Paul. So I mean I I try to apply this stuff this stuff across the board but when we're talking about where Elizabeth Warren would slot in, that would obviously be a challenge to Hillary Clinton. And I think most of us probably agree that Hillary Clinton is just the worst of the absolute worst that none of us want to see as president. Maybe JV does, I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> but so I, I welcome any and all challengers to, to that, uh, woman. <laughs> What do you think of Hillary, JB? I'm curious, Well, actually.
4: first, to defend myself, I don't have any particular <laughs> well, I just like desire. To paint you, I just
0: like to paint you as the, <laughs> the, the generic uh, socialist at all times because it's, it's fun.
4: Well, I don't, I, don't have any, I don't have any particular desire to see Hillary Clinton become president. There's nothing that's, that makes her stand out from the status quo that makes me think, like, the office will get this whole breath of fresh air to use a, a figure of speech. If she were to take office, I think it would be pretty much more of the same which is not really what I'm looking for nowadays, you know. So, no, I don't want her to be president. Would I be all that upset? I don't think so because, like I said, not much would change. We'd probably just be going around the, basically the same track. I don't think things would get better or worse.
0: Well, sure. I, I think. In, I mean, in many, I almost said it would be a repeat of the Obama administration and we'd have a lot of the same talking points, but uh, it, it, to me Hillary just seems way scarier than Obama because as much as I dislike Obama, dislike his policies – I mean, I I still get the feeling he's, like, not as much of a hawk. I mean, I I feel like he's somewhat hesitant about launching major wars, and it's all relative. I mean, he's done some bad stuff. Libya is a disaster right now, and no one even talks about it. He's bombing who knows who in Syria and Iraq. I mean, no one's going to mistake him for a peacenik. But when you compare him to the George W. Bushes, the neocons, the people that basically want to like bomb Moscow tomorrow, (laughs) relatively speaking, I feel a little bit better about him than if, say, Jeb Bush was in office right now or or that kind of thing.
4: For guys like them, especially people in Congress who aren't sitting in the big seat, it's it's very easy to make that kind of noise. But when when they're like put in the spotlight and asked like legitimately what they would be doing differently... They never have a they never have an answer for it because they can say all they want because they're they're ultimately not the one making these calls and pushing those buttons. So yeah, they can be like you say populist in their standpoint of being very war hawkish, but I imagine most of them if they were in the hot seat, they wouldn't be so quick to push that bu- button either. So it's easy to talk big when you're not the one in the fighting circle. That's basically what I'm
0: saying. Ooh, good words from JB there. All I do is talk big and I'm not in the fighting circle. I think you just <laughs> called me out. <laughs> Maybe I did to extent We are step. in the fighting circle, damn it. If there was ever a fighting circle, it's right here on the libertarian living rooms drinking liquor.
2: I guess talking about the fighting circle and, and, and also Hillary. One of the things we're talking about, you know, would it be the exact same thing as Obama or not? One of the things that worries me a little bit about Hillary is that Obama was uh, he was measured a little bit in the way that Obama, when you look at it, was still, for, in a large extent, a political neophyte. I mean, he had a quick rise to the top, and then blam, they shoved him in, and yeah, now you're president, hope and change, everybody got landed, and they love him. So, until he took office. Now, Hillary, though, she's been in and around politics forever. So I worry that while well, maybe it'll be the same as Obama, she also has a, sen- a deep sense of entitlement and political pedigree. And I think she is going to be one that's going to say, all right, I don't give, you know, I don't give a damn about any- what anybody's going to say. I'm just going to do this. This is my agenda. We're going to go bomb them. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And she's really not going to give two shits about the American people, their opinion, uh, with any sort of... Uh, reaching out to Congress or any sort of of
3: bipartisanship.
2: I think she's going to be a nightmare and even more of a dictator than Obama
1: has been.
3: Yeah, I I hear what you're saying, Brian, but I mean, doesn't Obama already have a lot of those same advisors and, you know, the inner, the inner circle of the Clintons working for him right now. So it would be largely the same people that would would be with Hillary. And I, I mean, Hillary, is definitely more seasoned, you know, more seasoned politician and, um, I just don't, I don't know if she'll be able to get more of her agenda in just because she's been around longer. I mean, she's got to have some deeper
2: contact. She's got to have a deeper understanding. I, I guess it just, to me, in a way, boils down to just... Who she is as a person, as well. You know, Obama's already laid the groundwork, plans for. Here you go. Here's how you uh, utilize executive uh, agendas and memorandums. And you know, Hillary's probably going to say, "Well, you know, hell, I'm, I'm Hillary Clinton. You know, he was he was Obama laying this out and using all these executive orders. Hell, I'll just go ahead and have my way with it."
3: <laughs> I
2: really, I, honestly, what I believe. I just, I think she's going to be an absolute terror. She's going to be like Mecha
0: Godzilla. No, I. <laughs> <laughs> so Bill Clinton was regular Godzilla. Or, well, Clinton, or <laughs> I think was. Yeah. Let's, let's was, work on the godzilla. godzilla analogy. I think a Obama more.
2: is maybe uh, King King uh, Gideon or, or Mighty. Uh, I can't remember the guy's name. And the sad thing is, I the reason I bring up godzilla it was
0: on today, and I was. Well, watching. as long as Joe Biden is Mothra, then I'm good with this analogy. <laughs> That's all I really care about because. That makes sense to me. Um, Speaking of making sense, uh, we're going to take a break for a minute and go to some people that make a lot more sense than us rambling together right now. We're going to toss to a little audio package put together by our fantastic editor, John Daubert, featuring the best quotes of our guests from 2014 of the Lions of Liberty podcast. Take it away. Bob Murphy. People have their private property, and if you don't like something, you don't just get to... Take people's property, or force them to do things they don't want to do. You have to convince them to do it voluntarily. If not enough people believe that, well, then yeah, free society is going to fall apart. And so, how do you get there? Is you convince enough people, more and more people, to want to live in a free society? And you know, right now, yeah, it seems like it's a, a pipe dream and it's more of a hypothetical thing. But ultimately, that's what it would take to get there. That's what would make it politically feasible or make it practical. Is if enough people agreed, that would be preferable to the current world, and then it would just sort of happen almost spontaneously if enough people believe that.
1: R.J. Brewer. When it comes to immigration, especially when I'm going out there and, you know, I have the microphone in front of thousands of Latinos, I'm almost blaming I'm blaming them for the immigration problem in this country, and I don't think a lot of the blame should go on them. The blame should go on the government, because what would you do if you live in a country where people are getting beheaded and,
2: you, you know, you don't have the right to bear arms and there's not much money there and, and there's so much poverty and the cops are corrupt You know, the cartels running stuff and telling people Wouldn't you flee to? I probably would also So you can't really blame those people for doing it You have to blame the government, I think, for making it So easy to become illegal and so hard To be legal
1: Robert Wenzel And Rand is very similar to Ronald Reagan Rand talks a lot of libertarian stuff but not completely and and ronald reagan was the same way but government really grew under ronald reagan and murray rothbard nails a lot of that and it shows how dangerous it is. you know unless the masses really change their views it really doesn't matter who's elected president they're going to be interventionists they're going to be expanding the state and all that because they want to retain power in order to retain that power They have to sort of move with the way the public sees things. And right now the problem is the public is not libertarian. And the most important thing is the public to understand what libertarianism is and why it's a good thing. And Rand is not doing that. We're doing that. You and I, Mark. Timothy Terrell. I think that ethical questions have been one of those areas where economists have been relatively weak not because we don't have the tools to deal with those things, those ethical issues, but we have been reluctant to tackle them. Because we have to step outside of our discipline and start addressing normative questions. But I think it's important that we do that because that has been one of the primary criticisms of economics as a discipline. Fred Fulbury. The ethic for a uh, free society or private communities is basically natural moral law or what I call the universal ethic. So that's one of my books, The Soul of Liberty. I derive a universal ethic, the same ethic that John Locke talked about in his second treatise, although he didn't really uh, fully derive it. And that
4: ethic basically tells us that what's morally evil is coercive harm to others.
1: So acts that benefit others, that are welcome benefits are morally good, acts that coercively harm others, such as theft or murder or trespass or kidnapping, those are evil. Jan Helfeld. What really commits people, in my view, is to make that connection between defending the individual rights of other people and their own self-interest. Why that's in their self-interest. That's the thing. And a lot of people don't see it. and i But I see it clear as day. I see the ball rolling. I say, sooner or later, I'm going to be the victim of this uh, monster that you know is uh, violating these people's rights and these people in this area and that area for in so many ways. So that's why I put
4: up a fight.
0: Sure. I mean, if you support a system that violates the rights of other individuals, well, guess what? You're an individual too. So at some point, that system is going to violate you. Dale Carson.
1: You know there are certain areas you just shouldn't go to, right? And there are certain areas that you shouldn't go to at certain times. And if you just keep that in mind, then you don't become a target for law enforcement encounters. And if you don't encounter them, I call them the portal to the electronic plantation. If you don't encounter them, you're not going to get sucked up into the system. G. Edward Griffin. I'm not so sure that we could rely on the media to tell the truth. And so we could look for one heck of a battle, all kinds of stresses and strains on the economy and on public confidence of the banking system, public confidence of of the political system. It could be almost revolutionary. In other words, rough water ahead. Out of all of that, we have to know that it can be done. And in my view, it must be done. Because in my view, if we do not abolish the Federal Reserve, the Federal Reserve will abolish America.
4: Shane Whistler. To be an idealist or to believe, you know, which means believe that there's such a thing as a right and a wrong. It's a kind of a creative leap. It's a change of perspective. And um, people have a hard time imagining, you know, outside of the context that they were, you know, raised and born in and all the media, you know, and and it requires being kind of a visionary and, and thinking, well, how should it be? And imagining all the different ways it should be and then you try to move it to where it should be, and I think a lot of people just lack the ability to see that. So, so they they mix the two issues together. They mix the way things are, you know, with the way it should be, and they can't see. They don't see either one of them very clearly.
0: My dad, Alan Clare.
1: I think that we have been really gifted or uh, privileged, your mother and I, to have some really talented children. Each of you has a unique skill and from the time you were probably five years old you had an interviewing and a questioning skill which not only enabled you to ask intelligent questions and analyze the answers but I've always thought that you had x-ray vision in effect <laughs> in that if, some, if you felt someone was not telling you the truth you would ask second and third level questions. And you'd keep on going, and you wouldn't stop till you were pretty sure that, that you had truthful answers, honest answers. So uh, I've never seen anyone else or met anyone else who, uh, who had that skill. And I think uh, you know, you've, you've, got, uh, you've got piles of that. Adam Kokesh. I'd like to think it's the natural state of a child's mind to be assimilating information,
2: asking why. And, you know, we, we have to revive that. And I, I think a, I, I don't know if we're reviving that or if we're just evolving and getting more of that. But one way or another, part of the paradigm shift, you know, that I talk about in the book, part of the paradigm shift that humanity is experiencing right
1: now is to at least have a, a reawakening of that or, or a newfound respect for that, for that kind of uh, just open inquisition and thinking of understanding rather than arbitrary acceptance of the world
0: sure because i mean none of us are born with full knowledge with full truth we can only find it by being inquisitive and you know when you when you pop out of the womb and you don't know what's going on you're naturally going to be literally crawling on the floor <laughs> searching for answers trying mm-hmm. to figure things mm-hmm. out it's only when people or institutions in our society start saying stop asking just do it you know that's and at some point in our lives that seems to happen to so many of us i know it happened to me at some point because at some point i was just that kind of straightforward republican guy but Thankfully, something snapped me out of it, and, you know, now I have this podcast, and we're talking about all this crazy stuff. Tisha Cassida.
1: I love things that bring solutions, and that are embedded in peace, versus this, we've got to get them, we've got to fight, we've got to fight back, we've got to...
4: I think that, although, you know, I get it, and I agree with it, I think it often doesn't win people to the liberty movement. What wins people to the liberty movement is being kind and talking and listening to each other about these issues.
0: Chris Rossini! Businesses are started that should not be started houses are built that should not be built
2: skyscrapers
0: it goes all the way down the line throughout the economy and when the fed is ultimately forced to raise interest rates out of fear of inflation they pop the bubble that they created and now all havoc breaks loose and people you know are foreclosed upon they lose their jobs and the downtrend begins in a free market economy this would not occur there would surely be business failures and business fluctuations But it would not occur economy-wide to where just about everyone is affected. And unless you're on the the smart side and you know how to invest properly, you're in for some uh, hard times. And of course, the libertarians in living
2: rooms drinking liquor. Boy, did he ever pull uh, the old switcheroo. Yeah, it was just like Obama. Shocker. Just like Obama. No, just, just like they all do. That's
0: what Rand Paul's doing, too, right? Yeah. He's, he's trying to pull the switcheroo. <laughs> we don't need to spend another I hour talking wait. about
2: it. <laughs> I can't wait for the Rand Paul switcheroo. <laughs> yeah,
0: he's, he's, uh, just, he's taking Which, that by the Jordan way, I've turned into okay. a
2: sexual maneuver.
0: Maybe they think that they see the United States as just like a 15-year-old bad boy rebel. So they're telling him what they don't want him to do, but it's really what they want him to do. Right. it's like well, a reverse psychology
2: yeah. <laughs> one way of looking at it this way the, end, you know, the US is using ISIS as a reason to, you know, this is why we have to keep doing the things we're doing, this is why we have to stay in power you need us, maybe ISIS is looking at the same way if they don't have somebody to fight against i.e. the United States, then they lose their recruiting base they lose their power and they lose their hold of the country as it becomes less conservative so, eh, who knows maybe, maybe they need us just like we need them
0: <laughs> I give Brian, I, Brian
3: one point for that answer
0: all right. So, Trent, have you? I don't know if you're familiar with that book. Have you uh, checked out Harry Brown's book, "How to Live Free in an Unfree World"? Are you familiar with that at all? No, I'm not at all. Cool. We'll just cut that whole question out. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Obviously, I don't. I don't take a lot of things at face value, so I started researching him on my own and making sure that you weren't blowing smoke at my ass. But you know, he impressed the the living hell out of me. I know the
0: smoke was something else. Uh, we don't need to. We don't need to talk about. It. Hey,
2: the war on drugs is still going on, buddy.
0: Let me be your whiskey shot. Quickly, day. All right, and welcome back to our New Year's Spectacular with the Libertarians in living rooms drinking liquor. I hope you enjoyed our little best of 2014 quotes piece there. It's certainly been an interesting year, had a lot of interesting guests on, but we're done looking back. We're done looking in the past. We're looking forward now to the future, at least to the present, 2015. And, you know, we uh, the, before the break there, we... Uh, had a little chat. We were talking about some of the politicians that we expect to be running for POTUS in 2015, and we, so far we've covered. Who have we talked about so far, guys? Help me out there. I've been Hill drinking. Dog. You
2: know, we talked about the Hillster Jeb Bush a little bit, a little uh, bit of Jeb. T- I, I mentioned Chris Christie is up there. I'm trying to think who on this latest late CNN poll is up there. Paul Ryan may run again.
0: Rand did he run them. or I don't remember, or was he just no,
2: Romney's he, VP? He got he was just Romney's VP. Yeah. That was fun. And then we talked about Elizabeth Warren. We can't see anybody else really mounting a challenge to uh, to Hillary. Joe Biden. Yeah.
0: Joe Biden. He, he won't. All, you think oh he'll my run God, again? I
4: hope Joe Biden runs. We would have material
0: I, forever. I would be thrilled if Joe Biden ran. You think he'll run? I I'd be I think incredibly he'll run.
4: surprised. I'd be shocked. Yeah, I ran. would be shocked. I'd be really shocked. Yeah, I would be. He he's I'm... made no inclination or whispers or any type of posturing towards wanting to run this country. He... He said something, I I don't know,
3: probably like two months ago, maybe. He said something that was almost outright, I'm going to run. Really? I mean, maybe I'm... (laughs) Breaking news! Lions of Liberty Podcast reports,
0: Joe Biden running. running. Mayor of of Candyland. Officiator okay, no. of Jelly
2: Village. You never know with Guru Bind. He's insane.
0: I would definitely let him run, like, my local bar or something. Maybe I should see if he'll come run, like, the Lions of Liberty bar here you know what? during our shows. You should you see him kinda... come on the podcast. I bet he would. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Maybe he will. I mean, He kind of I- looks like Coach from Cheers, by the way. I remember when I interviewed <laughs> Jan Helfeld this year, he actually told me, like, Joe Biden was one of the few guys that, like, really had a positive response to his interview, and he, like, even wanted him to come back and interview him again, and he ended up, like, interviewing him longer and all this stuff. So, I don't know. Maybe he's a cool guy. Bat shit, but seems cool.
2: I <laughs> think you should have a fishing show called Biden Your Time with Joe Biden. Oh, wow. <laughs> Just sit back and Relax.
0: You better be running to the trademark office uh, directly from the show b- before that gets taken.
2: I'm on my phone right now registering it.
0: All right, so um, who else is going to run in 20 uh 2015 2016? I, I don't follow the day to the day like CNN, you know, headlines and all that stuff, but who else has been out there that you guys have seen?
4: For this uh this is more of a question for you guys cuz I still can't wrap my Bring head it around. Bring it on. You-, you mentioned that um that we touched on Jeb Bush a little bit, but I still have no idea why he seems so appealing right now. What What is Jeb Bush's appeal? As to, like, when I look at, like, popular opinion amongst the people in this country, Democrat or Republican alike, they're dissatisfied with how our current government's being run. And how is Jeb Bush any different from any of these people that so many claim to dis, are dissatisfied with?
0: Well, step one, he's not. But go ahead, Odie.
3: It's, it's hard to figure, really. I mean, the only thing I can, you know, even fathom to think it's a terrible word fathom to think doesn't make any sense cut that out <laughs> <laughs> no don't
0: cut it out john <laughs> leave it in the only, the only <laughs> thing
3: i can think i mean jeb bush his name is his real name is actually john alice bush so his name his first name jeb is a freaking acronym <laughs>
2: oh my god i never knew right. that kidding,
3: right <laughs> no i'm not
2: kidding
0: <laughs> His name is More actor, breaking so. news here on <laughs> Lions of Liberty. I had no idea. So that but... might be, you know, the old people like that. So his like name that, is really what is it? Is it John Ellis Bush? Is that what John Ellis
3: Bush. So yeah. his
0: real his name as as he goes by it is John Ellis Bush Bush. Bush.
4: Yeah, it's the two bushes. God.
0: Pretty much, yeah, two bushes. Like ATM
4: machine. <laughs> Fair enough.
0: That's like the that's like the Los Angeles Angels of Los Angeles. It's yeah. like the uh, the Angels of the city of the Angels. It's like stop it. Well, you Just know they stop. They say a
2: John Ellis in the hand is worth two in the bushes. No,
0: no. That might not have made sense. Cut that out. <laughs> Never. <laughs> Just kidding. We're leaving it all in, man. No, we're, we're Saturday Night Live. We're live at tape. Uh, but to take a, I'll take
3: a, I guess a more serious attempt at JB's question. All right, I guess we can serious. allow a slightly <laughs>
0: serious answer once per show. But uh, yeah, like I think I, I don't know if, if I said this
3: on a past show or if I just sent an email or something to you guys on the on our Liberty chain. But there are a lot of freaking old people. <laughs> That People <laughs> over the age of 50 that careful, love careful. hawkish... Dude, I'm only 16 neo-
0: years away from being 50.
1: Neoconservative Republicans. Scary. Yeah,
0: you'll be a neocon. I'll be a neocon,
3: 50, be a neocon man, in a neocon. 16
1: years. I was one twelve years ago.
3: <laughs> yeah, I, there's there's so many. And they are really the only ones who probably respond to a lot of these polls. That's all I can figure. Well, it's also... I know so, there's some
2: fixation on the Bush name, which I, I don't quite understand either, considering how w left office but basically i mean to many people was in shame you know considered one of the worst presidents ever and uh, you know abusing his power to that to that point uh to a ridiculous extent before obama took it to a new level but yeah i I just don't get it either and i did some research and you know nobody of course has released their here are my campaign points memos yet so we can't really compare and contrast and find out what platform he's going to run on but he did, uh, I'll say this, he did reduce the budget and the deficit for Texas quite a bit. So I guess maybe that's something that people are really attracted to. And they figure he's just going to be war hawkish, which, I, you know, like you said, some people are attracted to. I, other than that, though, I can't really find anything really unique about the man or really uh, personal about the man to, you know, really bring anybody onto his side.
0: Yeah. It has nothing to do with anything other than Bush dynasty, Bush dynasty. Republicans still love the Bush name. It's that simple. I mean, if you ask one of these guys that, that voted for him in their poll to name three Jeb Bush positions, I don't think they could do it. I can't do it, but I, I, I don't. I don't claim to. It. But I don't claim to support <laughs> the guy. Um, supposedly, he's a Common Core guy. Was that you, Odie, I think last week that brought that up. Yeah, he's he's a big. Well, like he was
3: his big initiatives while while he was in Florida. He's also a big charter school guy. Um, he's big on education for minorities, which, I mean, who's not for that? that? That's great. Depends on how we define education. Yeah, it's, well, true. But Throwing the way he wants to do it money is not for great. Bad yeah, he's, he's a big comic core backer. Mm.
0: Very interesting. Well, he sounds like a real prize. I don't want to talk about this Jeb Bush character. I think he's going to get enough enough publicity uh, you know, in the media on his own. Let's talk about some more obscure politicians that, that might not get the media push that Jeb is going to get, that John Ellis Bush Bush is going to get. <laughs> um, I, I,
4: have a, I have someone. He toss him out. Obs- Let's go. Ha- he might not be obscure as a personality, but I just recently read Today trying to – bring myself up to speed for this for the show uh, drew carey might is being talked about potentially running for the libertarian party really I mean, oh, Yeah. Shit. anyone wow. anyone
0: have you heard about this i have not heard about that again
4: breaking news <laughs> yeah apparently uh, this is the first i was hearing of this but no, actually, I did think here uh, that Drew, Drew Carey was involved in libertarianism in some way or Get another. Get him on the show. No,
0: I, I mean, yeah. I, I knew that he was a uh, – considered himself a libertarian. I know he actually did a lot of protesting against smoking, anti-smoking laws back in the day, just just smoking cigarettes back when that was – like activism was like c- fighting cigarette laws. But um, yeah, no, I, I knew he was a libertarian. I know he kind of had libertarian views. I, this is the first I'm hearing of, of his potential presidential run.
4: Though. He even had a TV show on uh, Reason TV or – For something like that and yeah he's all about social issues and marijuana decriminalization and privatization and stuff of that nature and there was some talk about him potentially throwing his hat in the ring so what do you guys think about that old president drew carey there (laughs) i think it'll never happen in a
2: million years then again arnold schwarzenegger
4: was governor so exactly why not why couldn't it happen he has a face he has a name you know I think yeah, I don't know I, to get us.
2: I mean, I I have a hard time believing that anybody that with a libertarian or an L next to their name is going to get elected president. I mean, there's a reason that Ron Paul ran as a uh, GOP candidate and why Rand Paul is cutting up the neocons.
0: Sure, they probably won't, but that doesn't mean they shouldn't. And that oh, doesn't mean we shouldn't have the alternatives. Because I don't know if I'm going to vote for Rand Paul if I don't like him. But if, I mean, first of all, I mean. You know, I'm not going to harp on Rand Paul again, but we—he has to get through a primary, which is no small feat, especially when you consider a field of neocons that uh, you know still uh, vote for support Jeb Bush simply because his last name is Bush and that kind of thing. So I'm not so sure Rand gets through it. If he does get through the primary, I'll probably support him against those other guys because he's clearly better than all of them. If he actually gets through the primary, well, then I'll take a little, little more critical eye. And yeah, I think he'll probably be better than whoever whatever Democrat he would be running against. That is amazing to get my vote though and you know I, I I may just vote for the libertarian candidate or support that person I don't know it depends on who they are we might you know I'm, I'm, I'm sorry if I sound distracted right now because I, I as soon as JB mentioned Drew Carey I had to do a little googling and I found this article have you guys ever heard of J- Jennifer Aniston being a libertarian no. I've, no I have never heard that this is actually like an older article from a couple of years ago but it's Gary Johnson suggesting that he might uh, make Drew Carey or Jennifer Aniston his running mates <laughs> uh, then what about the-
3: Vince Vaughn huh? Vince yeah, Vaughn and- Vince Vaughn,
1: Vaughn. that would be
0: a ticket that would be a great one. I'm still waiting for Brian to book him on the show. For yeah, try just, right. what about he Gary uses Oldman? Hollywood connections. Gary
2: Oldman also libertarian leading. Uh, I, I would love to interview Gary Oldman. Well, when I'm talking about people that are you know unrealistic to get, but hey, still libertarian. Let's
0: do a segment dreaming about all the people that I'd like to interview that I <laughs> may or may not actually get to interview. Uh, but I do have some big names. I mean, I, I, how do you guys think about this third party thing? Because it's kind of a a two way street. I mean, I, I want more parties. I want more. I mean, it's actually I should I should take that back. I don't want more parties. I want no parties because parties. I, just, just destroy like all intellectual thought. They stop everyone from thinking about what people's positions are. I mean, ev- most so many people go to the polls and go, "Oh yeah, I mostly agree with Republicans." Uh, R, R. Maybe they'll vote differently if they've researched one guy or something like that. But it just—I think the political party thing just dumbs down debate so much where you I'm gonna fit fifty positions into this one platform and lump them all together, even when they're seemingly completely unrelated. Hey, I love war and the well actually no that that is related. Loving war and loving the war on drugs makes that's actually completely consistent. But um uh, you know what I mean? They they just toss all these things together and you know, just people don't think about what the individual actually believes. They just think, ah, oh, Democrat, ah, oh, Republican. But at the same time like you said, in reality, right now, based on the way things are, you know, third parties don't get much traction. They don't get debate time, and hopefully, that'll change too. I know there's, a, there's some big groups trying to put on third party debates again um, in in the next year or two, but um, you know, they're they're basically sidelined. You spend all your time trying to get on ballots, all your time trying to raise money, all your time just trying to get people to even know who you are, let alone listen to what you're saying. So what do you guys think about that, this kind of dichotomy we're in where, yeah, maybe we want people that aren't in this two-party system, but at the same time, when people do run outside of that system, they're just immediately shunted to the side and can't actually gain any traction. If well, there was I-
3: ever a time where, I mean, where I think it's possible or I can foresee it in the near future of either there being one, you know, many more parties or no parties and everyone running on their own, it's it's now with the internet, with social media. I mean, I watch everything on the internet, all the presidential debates, I don't have cable. I watch YouTube videos. So it's no different to me and probably no different to many of people, many of people younger than me, the millennial generation. They don't care about watching a Fox News debate or a CNN debate or whatever it is. They just want to see people debate. And hopefully moving forward, um, like you were saying, we can get more of those debates set up or see more of those debates. And maybe that will lead to uh the breaking down of these establishment parties finally. The big thing's gonna be media sponsorships because that or channel sponsors because that's the
2: thing is that the GOP or uh, the Democratic they, they organize their own debates and they, you know, partner with CNN and they air So you need to find people that are going to be complicit in saying, okay, yeah, no, I'll, I'll air this. We believe in the, that there'll be a, a viewing audience for it. That's where the real trick lies.
0: Well, the thing is that the two party slash one party system, I mean, it's basically one party that controls the entire political system in this country. And they, they divvy up into two different sides to put on a little dog and pony show for us. But they – yeah, they essentially own the company that produces the debates. They partner with the networks and they air them and they're not allowing other people into the debates. ever. I think Ross Perot was the last third party to get in and that was only done because George Bush approved him to get in because he, he thought he would take votes away from his opponent. From Clinton, I think. Is that right? Yeah, probably. If I'm yeah. just making it stuff make, up, someone let sense. me know. But I'm pretty it sure it was sounds something. Sounds plausible. Like... <laughs> All right, <laughs> so that's what we strive for here, at the Lions of Dirty Podcast. Sounds
3: plausible. <laughs> but not not factual factually accuracy. Plausibility.
0: Sounds plausible is what we strive for. So <laughs> I'm going to make those T-shirts. Lions of Liberty sounds plausible. (laughs) Drew Carey running for Libertarian candidate, but yeah, I mean, they they completely control the the debate system and everything. So then you know we might say, oh well, you know, yeah, it's silly for some for someone to you know run Libertarian or whatever. Like Rand has to run in the GOP, but doesn't it go back to kind of what Brian was saying a couple weeks ago? You know, we we were out. Um, campaigning for Ron Paul a few years ago here in Los Angeles and you would get so many people that would be like with you all the way oh yeah I agree with that, I agree with that end the wars, totally on board, end the drug war we're with you Oh, no, no, he can't win. He has no chance because they they've they've bought into that system. And we spent so much time just talking against that and saying, you know, uh, you know, of course. Well, if if everybody just says he's not going to win and can't change, well, then he won't. And so are are we reinforcing that, too, by saying it? I mean, are we saying, oh, well, you know, third parties aren't going to get anywhere. So, you know, we can't really bother with that stuff. But if we all just keep saying that, well, that just becomes what's true and that becomes why it's true. I mean, if if most people in America thought a third party had a chance, they would. And the only reason they don't, is because they don't think so. So it's like this never ending cycle, this mental cycle we're all in. And I don't want to be a part of really reinforcing that. But at the same time, we do have to recognize some of the realities of the political system.
4: Well, I think that's exactly where a guy like Drew Carey might be be an advantage to the libertarian party because he has a name that's independent of them and their movement, and he can appeal to more people that may not necessarily know what the Libertarian Party is and might be hesitant to maybe vote for them or even give them the time of day as far as a a debate would be concerned that might tune in because Drew Carey is involved. And that even that little bit more exposure can mean the world of difference.
0: Yeah. And you might be right. At the same time, I think a lot of people would just look at Drew Carey as, oh, there's this comedian running too. like, you know, he's a comedian. Obviously, he's not serious. But then again, hey, Al Franken did it and he won and he's a senator yeah. now. So Ronald Reagan was an actor, right? There you go. So
2: they also both were running for the two major parties. And I do True. agree. We need to, we need to eliminate the two party system and make it wide open. And we're working towards that. Education is still the way, but it's not there yet. Is my opinion.
0: And that's why I don't vote for either of the two parties. And that's why I might not vote for Rand Paul. I might because he is an exception in a way. He's certainly different than the others. But generally, if you're a Republican or a Democrat, I'm not going to vote for you. I mean, I-, I go to the polls. The problem is you go to the polls now. I mean, at least in California, the last election we had... I went down that thing, and there's no other option. There wasn't even a, thir- a third party on yeah. our ballot anywhere. Um, I mean, it, it's out here it's because we have an open primary system now, which sounds really good on the surface because the top two run in the primary and the top two from that – get on the, the general ballot. But the problem is, you know, the top two are going to (laughs) be the Democrat and and the Republican. So you're not going to see the third parties at all. Uh, I still go out to vote on certain propositions. We passed Prop 47, which helped decriminalize a lot of drugs and then reduce a lot of of things from felonies to misdemeanors, which I think is a positive thing. So I'll go vote on certain issues, but man, it's going to take a lot for me to go out and vote for a Republican or Democrat because I don't want to keep enforcing the system. How can I go out there decrying this two party system all the time if I'm actually just going to at the end of the day, just go, eh, yeah, I guess I'll just, eh, I guess I'll just go with it. You're right. Two parties. It's cool.
4: Well, I think it's going to take a long time. It's going to take a lot of education to break that dichotomy. I don't know if I mentioned this. Maybe I was just thinking it last time I was on, but even in places, other countries where they have a parliamentary system with maybe five, like, strong parties, you usually end up seeing two of them end up to be the more dominant of the bunch. So even when you do have legitimate multi-party system with established parties there tends to be two or maybe three that come up and are more dominant and get more seats than the others so it's going to be hard just from education to break it just judging by looking at other countries political systems and i think the like Ross Perot the only reason he got to where he even was was through like bulldozing through with the fact that he was a billionaire on his own right and didn't really need the foundational structure that the republicans and democrats rely on for financial gains to, to make his, I guess, made his voice heard. He had his own money to cover billboards, to go on the radio, to force his way into these things, but that someone else running for the Libertarian Party or the Green Party might not have these, those types of resources.
2: No, true. And by the way, also, I was just reading an article um, this year, we're talking about good and bad in 2014, looking forward. This year, actually, Libertarians got more votes, I think, than any other year in history. Uh, if you, you know, all told across the board. So there is, you know, libertarianism, I guess, is the, now the official, unofficial third party in America. We've gotten to the point where, um, people are actually recognizing it and, and making it a point to vote in that direction. But it's just not, you know, it's not to the point where it's competing. It still, I think, was hovering right around 10%. So it's still got a, quite a bit of a ways to go.
0: I hate that whole system where, like, a party candidate needs to get X amount of votes, and then they can get into debates, and then they can get all these other privileges that are automatically bestowed upon the other, you know, two corporatist parties, the Democrats and Republicans. And that just goes back to why I just think we need to do away with parties. Like, like, even, like, it kind of goes back to our labels we were talking about in the beginning. You know, what does the libertarian label mean? Is it really even, you know, is it beneficial to have that label attached to you or not? I don't know. It might be in some cases, it might not be in other ways, because, like we were talking we have different views about statism or you know what states should be and so many so many kind of preconceived notions are attached to all political labels whether it's democrat republican conservative progressive and libertarian and i might say yeah i'm a libertarian and i can say that because i know what my libertarian beliefs are but when i say libertarian somebody else might hear that and associate that with uh, i don't know what the Koch brothers believe and i'm just using them as an example I, i I actually saw an article about Charles Koch wanting to change the justice system and, and stuff like that. And I think I agree with him on a lot of what he says about that. But I am mean, just using them as one example of how, you know, a word can be attached to all sorts of negative things. So and I think that just carries over into political parties. And, and you know, JB said, oh, you know, I'm I'm an independent and that's wishy washy. But I don't think it's wishy washy. I think it's the opposite. It's like, shouldn't we all be independent thinkers? Shouldn't we all just strive for rational political dialogue? I mean, that should be our our party. It should be the rational party. We should uh, try to think rationally and use logic to make our political decisions on our fellow man instead of basing them off sound bites, because sound bites are what end up with SWAT raids and people getting like, you know, getting their heads blown in because people aren't thinking rationally. They're thinking in sound bites and they're just parroting whatever they're hearing. I'm well, getting no, so I'm getting fired up now. This must be the Scots You are fired up. No, you're exactly.
2: Hair. exactly right though, about you are just talking about people voting, you know, Democrat, Republican and, and I agree, everybody should be independent because so often people just check down and say, okay I'm just going to vote Democrat because that's what I am. I'm a Democrat and I agree with all these Democratic principles. Meanwhile, half the time they don't agree with it. So, yeah, I completely agree. Everybody should just be independent and make their own mind up on a case by case basis. However, people are lazy. So, whether or not that'll happen
3: questionable people are lazy but i think also people well, are like we to be- all lazy
0: i hate i hate generalizations like that like yeah we all love to say people, people are very lazy. we all love to say people are lazy people are stupid but then we're stupid and lazy well, you, you
2: talk to I, you know we both talk to a lot of people and I, i've talked to enough people now that you know are oh, i'm a democrat and then you tell them okay well are you do you believe in this 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 okay really well in truth you're more of a libertarian than anything but it's just, you know, again, it's a matter of education. Now, people aren't going to go out and educate themselves necessarily all the time, which is where share your Facebook posts, people. Share these share these things on your social media. Share your lines of Liberty posts, everybody. Yeah, you know, because that's where it comes into play
0: a lot more. Because it sounds plausible. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. That's going to be our new catchphrase going forward. Sounds plausible. JB, <laughs> sounds go, go ahead.
4: Well, I, I would agree in the sense that people are lazy in the sense that yeah we're all a little lazy to the extent we're all lazy to do things that we don't find particularly interesting to us it it takes a lot it takes considerable investment to stay politically aware and conscious of what's going on cuz they're they're doing their best to keep it under wraps so you have to actively try to to know really what's going on and what your elected officials are doing it's nothing that you're just going to absorb by osmosis just being there and turning on the tv it requires effort And a lot of people don't want to expend that effort on something they might find, I don't know, boring, for example, or, you know, they might be too busy. Maybe they have three kids and they could be bothered. They'd rather spend their what little limited time they have watching some silly T show or instead of spending hours reading about political theory. These are the types of things that we have all done at some certain point in our lives that a lot of people don't think is worth their time. Yeah and <laughs> that, that's the reality I, that's we people <laughs> yeah we have to, that's a reality we have to come to terms with when we're trying to spread these messages and try to get people to understand these these ideology, um ideologies that they're not really comfortable with
0: yeah I mean in some ways that's the biggest challenge. The biggest challenge isn't always just convincing people to your view per se, although obviously we want that we want people to you know agree on what's just and what's right. But the biggest challenge is getting people to even care in the first exactly. place, yeah. to, to, to even care about why should I – I mean I know so many people that say, well, I don't care about politics. I just want to live my life and you know do my thing, and I respect that theory, theoretical view, but – I mean politics and life are inseparable. Politics is what governs your life. It what dictates what what you can do. It's what dictates how violence is going to be inflicted upon you if you do certain things. But most people don't really make those connections, I think. They just they almost see the government and the law as just like a um some other thing floating out there that they can get involved with if they feel like it. They can stay disengaged with it if they feel like it. And uh that may be true to an extent until the day when that that SWAT team bust into their house or, you know, maybe their friend is killed by a cop enforcing a drug law. And only then it seems a lot, I mean, it didn't take that from me. I don't really know anyone that's faced that much terrible tragedy from the state. That's not whatever motivated me. I just saw injustice in the world and started thinking, well, this stuff isn't right. But I mean, that's the challenge. How do you get people to, to see that there's even a reason to care that they see, there's a reason to do more than to watch American Idol and that kind of thing.
2: I guess the question is, is there a way to do it without tragedy being involved? You know, like look at Eric Garner. We were talking about this. Well, yeah, I mean, that that did actually get people interested. Yeah, it got people interested. And also, you know, that one guy who, you know, oh, uh, Jose was was like – I can breathe because I didn't do anything wrong or whatever. Somebody said, you know, some cop or somebody had made a T-shirt about it. There was it. actually
0: a, a host on – on uh, one of the Fox Sports hosts that's, that said that something of, about that too. She said right. uh, said something to the effect of – I can uh, breathe
2: because I follow laws. Because I follow
0: laws and she was uh, suspended right. indefinitely. That's, that's
2: the – I think the position, the default position of most people is that, oh, well, he was obviously doing something wrong. But it's like, well – no, he he wasn't, in this especially in this specific situation. But, you know, you could be that person where you do something wrong uh, t- slightly off base and have this horrible physical reaction that kills you and fringes on your liberties, and people don't realize it's a very thin line. But, I don't know, without tragedy being involved, it's really hard to win people well, over and got them to pay attention.
0: And so many people equate doing something wrong with breaking the law, and those aren't necessarily the same right. things. Sometimes they are. If you rape someone, you've done something wrong, and you've broke the law. But if you smoke a joint in uh, Idaho, or I'm trying to think of a state where it's probably still illegal. I don't know, because uh, so many states are legalizing it. Yeah. But you know, if, if you smoke a joint on on the you know on someone you know wherever somewhere where yeah, Columbia, yeah, well, didn't they just legalize it too?
2: Yeah, they, well, then they passed a bill <laughs> making it illegal.
0: Uh, Pennsylvania, yeah, of course. <laughs> How can I not think of this? The place where you two guys are right now. If I just smoke a joint in Pennsylvania. I would go to jail if a cop—I mean, maybe a cop might see me and not care, but in theory, if they followed the law, they would arrest me, and I would have to go through the well, legal process. Well, it is decriminalized
4: in Philadelphia, so All they'll right, give so you Philly's a $25 the- ticket, and, and you can be on your way.
0: Philly's the most libertarian city in, in Pennsylvania. Yeah, not, not, <laughs> a West, not a Western
3: PA. They'll lock you up what for happens months, in Pittsburgh months or years <laughs> at a time. Months
1: or years for smoking a joint?
0: <laughs> oh, not my for Lord. smoking
3: a joint, but if you're if you're selling, you know—
0: well, that's so funny because, you know, even that, though, like in Pennsylvania, if you sell an ounce of weed to somebody, you'll you'll go to jail for that for sure. Right. I mean, that's that's trafficking or two ounces, whatever. Guys, I'm about 150 feet from a store right now that I can walk into and buy an ounce of weed legally in California. And it's just so crazy that this place where I'm talking to you guys on the other end of this microphone right now. You do the same thing there. Someone does the same thing there, and they're going to jail. They're going to be behind bars. They're going to have violence inflicted upon them. And that's just so crazy to me.
3: And we both live in the same
0: free country. Exactly. Awesome. We both live in the freest country on the, <laughs> yeah. in the universe, but, I believe.
4: But, but that's the thing, Mark, and it kind of brings it full circle to what um, we, we've all been talking about. That doesn't affect most people in Pennsylvania. Most people in Pennsylvania don't care. As long as the, the vast majority of our populace is comfortable, you're not going to see – change is going to come incredibly slow.
1: Sure. You know, they're
4: needs, they're, people, as, as terrible as this might sound, if you look at history, history and all the large political upheavals that have gone down, most of the people are not pleased with their current status in life. And in the United States, the status of quo is just fine. Most people are comfortable. Most people are going about their lives the way that they wanted to. So that's why most people don't care.
0: We just gotta yeah, make. I think,
4: we, we gotta make I, I people mean, less cozy, then, huh? <laughs> basically, as, as as cynical as that might sound, you know, as long as like the marijuana laws of Pennsylvania don't really affect a large majority of Pennsylvanians, so why they?
1: We need more sinners in Pennsylvania. Yeah, that's it's the very problem. hard to
4: make people care about things that don't personally affect them. As as terrible as that might sound, we have our activists and we have our you know our awareness types, but I don't think they make up a majority of the populace. Well,
3: Pennsylvania, at least Allegheny County, the county that I'm in right now in Pennsylvania, is the second oldest county in the United States to some county in Florida, which is just ridiculous. Wow. But, I mean, that's that's what people that are in their 70s, 80s, and 90s, hell,
4: they're not going to want to legalize marijuana. I mean wh- – Exactly. It doesn't really they, – they only have bad things to think about it and, and no good. They don't really care about the, the social ramifications of keeping this illegal. It doesn't really affect them in their personal lives. Those so no-good
0: kids on their weed. Exactly.
4: So why would they vote to repeal it when all they can think of is negative things associated with it? And – I don't know if they're really open to the the education that would be needed to show them that it's really the exact opposite that legalization b- brings far more harm than good. I don't think they're willing to hear such things. I don't want to just wash my hands of large segments of the population, but you know, how much more can you hope from a, from a group that's in their 70s or 80s to really completely change their worldviews like this and embrace these types of these ideas
2: start going up to these old people poke them in the eye hope they get glaucoma then they'll come around to our point of view start smoking some
3: weed <laughs> there you go it's i think pretty, that, it's uh, a it's a pretty easy pretty, solution yeah. hey i like that <laughs> <laughs> did you just think of that now brian that's pretty good i
0: did wouldn't that violate the non-aggression principle <laughs> well i guess a little i, so. bit? A I, little bit, yeah, I mean just... i love the idea don't get me wrong and i'm not shooting it down per se <laughs> It sounds plausible, you might say. Um, all right, I, I, we've we've kind of um, well, that's we've gone off the rails, but that's a good thing because we never had rails to be on. So that's that's why I love doing these shows, and that's why I wanted to start off the year doing another one of these little libertarians in living rooms drinking liquor. A because I like talking to you guys. B because I like sipping scotch. And uh, C because I like computers. I guess I don't know. Um, so <laughs> as we wrap up, I want to just uh, you know. Give a little send off by giving a little prediction. I want to go and hopefully maybe hopefully a positive prediction, but you know maybe some bad stuff will happen too this year. But I want to get a little prediction, a political slash liberty, however you want to spin it, prediction for the new year for 2015. Let's start with the most liberal city. The guy within the most liberal city in uh, Pennsylvania, JB. <laughs>
4: Well, I predict fire and brimstone for 2015. And no, no, no. I don't know. To be honest with you, I think I think 2014 ended on a positive note that there seems to be a lot more awareness about, you know, the overreaches of some of our institutions, namely police forces around the country, and hopefully that momentum doesn't die down once the news cycle changes and we'll see more more oversight, you know, and more, you know, I guess, loosening of the reins of the people who basically can control whether we live or die in the very streets that we live. So I think we'll see a little bit more of that there and more discussion about this and hopefully a change for the better.
0: So JB's official prediction is loosened reins. I'm going to write that down because I'm I'm going to publish it later. Um, (laughs) In the official uh, Lions of Liberty um, pamphlet, it'll have all our predictions for 2015. All right, Odie, what is your prediction for 2015?
3: Well, with it being, you know, the lead up to... uh... Presidential election. I think you're going to see, yeah, a lot more people talking about politics on the social medias. You know, maybe your average people that are, you know, normally you know wouldn't wouldn't like the lines of liberty posts that we share. Maybe they'll start to comment and start a conversation. I think more people will be maybe a little more open to discussing ideas, hopefully, or at least uh, more open to shoving their ideas down our throat that we can at least uh, counter and try to. Um, start a discussion, but uh, I mean, overall, I think I'm at least I, I enjoy a little bit. I don't enjoy politics per se, but I enjoy watching the shit show, the, you know, what our political presidential process is today. I like the debates. I like the terrible commercials. I like Herman Cain. Um, I'm (laughs) I'm just looking forward to seeing, to seeing all that again. And, uh, also with all the craziness is going on, um, hopefully advancing liberty just a little, little couple more inches farther forward. So that's what I'm looking forward to.
0: All right, so Odie's official prediction. I'm writing down uh, more Herman Cain videos. Uh, that's, yes. that's how I'm going to sum up your 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 2015 predictions, and I hope they're right because my God, that was probably the highlight of that last presidential campaign, where his most people didn't realize this stuff that he is. He was on the side releasing random videos to the internet that were just absolutely absurd. So I highly recommend uh, looking up Herman Cain videos on YouTube or looking up on, on Lines of Liberty. I think we posted a few of them. Yeah, we've ourselves. got a couple on there. Yeah. Yeah, all right. Brian, what do you what do you think about the new year to come? Fire, brimstone, poking out, goug- gouging out old people's eye- eyeballs. I think you're going to see a big spike in g- eyeball gouging
2: in Western. <laughs> After the release of the show,
4: yeah, forced <laughs> by Brian McWilliams.
2: <laughs> Cops are banging my door. Uh, no, I you know I, I I'm going to make a bold prediction here. I'm not going to go into a whole big thing. Here's my bold That's prediction. What I want. We're going to see a record low in Americans that are incarcerated in 2015. Record lows. Because of the uh, secession of the war on drugs, because of a lot of people getting let out of prison. As in new incarceration, are you like in total, you mean? I'm talking people that are actually in prison. The numbers of people record in prison lows? this year. Record, record
0: lows have to go back to like 1900 well, numbers? Well, all
2: right. Let's say record lows for the past, God, well, the war on drugs has been around since, for what, 50 years?
0: Turkey dick, since man. Nixon? Like, yeah, since since, since Nixon, works, yeah. All right. It's so, a shame if it is,
3: though. We won't know for six more years when they report the final stats. <laughs> and okay. Brian did an excellent uh,
0: Dick Nixon on our um, ho- Halloween special, which I highly recommend That's know. right, Nixon! com slash podcast. You can find the Halloween special and Brian's Dickie Nixon in there. It was pretty fantastic. But that's my production. I, yeah, we'll, see, we'll see when the actual stats get. Yeah, we got to work on those like. numbers a little bit. I, like I, I, don't, I don't know what record White lows, but I, I think we'll see. I mean, even in California, they're releasing people that have been convicted now and that They kind were. Of thing. Well, and, we
2: talked about it briefly, just how it fucked up was, because they... Uh, you might want to edit the F bomb out there, John, <laughs> but you know, cause California, they're like, all right, let my people free. And California was like, Hey, hold on there. We, uh, we need them for cheap prison labor. And but who uh, will put out a the lawsuit about it. Yeah. It's like, ah, oh, you scumbags. Yeah. anywho. <laughs> all
0: right. <laughs> Mark, your prediction. Oh no, I didn't know the host is going to get put on the spot too. how the tables have turned. <laughs> um, I'm going to make a little, um, off cuff prediction. It's a, it's a news item we've touched on a couple times. And it is the 28 pages redacted from the 9-11 report. I'm going to predict that those pages will get out. Um, I don't know if they will, but there are several politicians, including Thomas Massey, that are pushing for the release of these pages. Uh, the government has no excuse, really, that they've been able to give for why they're still redacted. I mean, it's not like the normal stuff where they just blot out a name here and there and that kind of thing to protect you know, an asset or that kind of thing it's um it's just 28 pages of the report that they have since it was released said we're not allowed to see and i don't even think until the last year there was much uh, movement about it or much even knowledge about it in the general public but uh it's something that's getting a lot more traction this year ron paul's pushing it a lot thomas massey in congress i said is pushing it a lot and uh it's getting a lot more public attention and i hope that you know we can't sort this stuff out we can't sort out the the world until we know the truth about things and whatever the government is hiding in those 28 pages i think i mean thomas massey himself has said it It significantly changes his view of history of foreign policy and all that stuff and um to me changing the view of a militaristic empire that has done nothing but cause death and destruction across the globe if we can change people's view on that and we already are a little bit but if something can drastically change their view because i don't think the conspiracy movies do they just make people think that they're crazy and i think some of the conspiracy movies have a lot of good points but in general those things don't get mainstream media traction don't really i don't think they really help liberty or anything but i think revealing a little bit of truth about foreign policy a little more than's come out I mean, I don't know what's in there, but it's got to be something they don't want to see. So um, my prediction is that that, those 28 pages will come out in one form or another and that it will drastically change the way we view 9-11 and all of our foreign policy and domestic policy since that time.
2: Hey, one more bullet prediction. Citizen Four, Edward Snowden documentary, gonna win an Oscar.
0: That's your other bald prediction.
2: That's a bold bald, bald, bald prediction. Bald <laughs> prediction.
0: <laughs> I didn't. I don't think I meant to say bald prediction, but it's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's just say, if you ever seen Brian, it's fitting. I am, uh, and I think I think that's a good in. note to end the show on. Uh, we said some things that sounded plausible today. We've got maybe a new catchphrase, um, some new political ideas about gouging out eyeballs of old people to get them to support legal weed. Not out. Just push um, them in a little Oh, yeah. Bit. Not out. I'm sorry. I, I'm not really much of an eye gouger, so I don't really know all the terms. <laughs> You've got to
3: take the humane
0: approach. Yeah, haven't to my, my other points. my other podcast, Eye Gouging with Brian.
2: Oh, c- coming in 2015 not every other Friday
0: <laughs> alright um, Yeah, we'll link to uh, eye gouging with Brian and, and Biden time in, in the show notes too that's right you can see all these great shows coming in the new yeah. year uh, but now I want to I want to start the new year by ending the show in the way we always end the show and hopefully you guys will join in with me because what I want everybody out there to do in 2015 and beyond is of course to live long and live free, free.